In healthcare, we are always working to make things better. We work to make our health systems more efficient, and we are always looking for ways to improve patient outcomes. Research is key to this progression, but we face a challenge. There has been a proverbial 17-year gap from an insight a researcher uncovers in the lab to when it influences, at scale, patient care. We can't afford a 17-year gap. And the pandemic made very clear that we've got to rapidly improve right now. We don't have the urgency. We don't have the time to waste on a 17-year cycle to close the clear inequities that we'd seen. That was Anish Chopra. Anish was the first chief technology officer of the United States and co-founder and president of Care Journey. We have a lot of challenges in addressing health equity. It doesn't help our case to have this 17-year gap that Anish mentioned. So what can be done? Well, the good news is that, according to Anish, there is a solution. What health data can do is compress the time, A, from idea to hypothesis to validated uh, intervention. That is to say, I think this is a better way of treating someone. Let me validate. That can shrink. And then B, how to disseminate that better protocol wherever it's needed most. We are now entering a rapid cycle where we're solving on both sides, compressing the time to generate the insight and compressing the time to scale it out into the field. But the thing about health data is that, like digital health, it has to be used appropriately or it runs the risk of exacerbating disparities. I wanted to get some different perspectives on how we can best use health data. So I spoke with two experts in the field, and I asked each of them, what do we mean by health data? I first asked Anish. We mean the collection or aggregation of information about the healthcare industry, often collected for another purpose. Maybe it's administrative, checking to see whether the patient is insured, how much a bill should get paid, back and forth with providers, sharing information about uh, referrals. Health data is the collection of all of that other primary use information in a health encounter organized so that internal and external stakeholders can better understand uh, what's happening in the healthcare industry. We have health data to understand what is going on in our health system, and there's more to it. I asked Dr. Ivor Horn, the chief health equity officer of Google, the same question. She added another dimension to health data. People think about health care data, and they think about data that happens is generated within the four walls of a healthcare system. But when we think more broadly about health data, it is really things that impact on health and the drivers of health. So yes, healthcare data, information about your health condition, information about your lab work, if you want to be really specific, but also information about where you live, learn, work, your environment, those all play a role in health data. It is clear from both Anish and Dr. Horn that health data consists of a wide variety of components, from data residing at health systems to the factors that influence an individual's health. Health data has a major impact on healthcare. I want to find out 
how should people across industries, entrepreneurs, investors, and researchers be working together to use it? I'm following up with Anish Chopra. Along with being the first Chief Technology Officer of the United States, Anish is an entrepreneur and an expert in care delivery, data analytics, and policy. Anish, I think it would be helpful to provide context to our listeners. Can you explain how health data was used in healthcare before computers and EHRs? So we've had people collecting information for the since the beginning of math and science, stored in notebooks, on papers. The hard part of data is understanding the research question you want to have answered, developing the methodology as to how you're going to determine whether treatment A or treatment B does a better job of curing the condition. And the collection of data is really in service of the research design or the hypothesis. So we've, we've been doing this forever. With the advent of computers and electronic health records, it's really just meant the ability to scale. Instead of doing a smaller experiment over a longer period of time manually, we can do large-scale experiments at a fraction of the time and cost. How is the utilization of health data impacting healthcare delivery throughout the country? There are three big themes I see with healthcare data influence. Theme number one, at the heart of value-based care, when we pay doctors to keep people healthy, job number one for data is to help educate the doctor on the 2,000 patients in his or her panel that have not come in for an appointment that day, but should. Being able to identify the 10, 20, 30 patients that should be contacted because they may be on the cusp of a health outcome that's adverse, that ability to mine their full patient roster to suggest patients that might need uh, outreach, that's job one. Job two, we have a terrible coordination of care problem. We need to make sure that if I show up in the emergency room, my doctor is alerted and can spring to action to make sure I get back into the office right away. Because even if the emergency room handles the immediate crisis at hand, there may be underlying health conditions that are not being treated, which means I'll end up in the emergency room again, if not for someone to quarterback my care. So the second aspect of data is almost like a real-time collaboration and coordination need. The third area, and I think this gets to this broader vision of a learning health system, is the ability to aggregate and mine information that can be used to identify decisions that need to be made in a more intelligent manner. That is to say, we think by gut, I should give you medication A or B. Well, now we should be able to have a little bit more confidence to say, patients like me, on medication A, show higher improved outcomes relative to medication B. And that kind of real-world learning when I have judgment to make, that idea of decision support, I believe is the next wave of innovation that will come on account of the data being made more accessible and the tooling being made more accessible as well so we can ponder these types of questions. What institutions or enterprise are leading this 
health data transformation? I would argue that the public sector, our federal Department of Health and Human Services, has been a pioneer in health data, in part because the government is just such a larger player on the stage of collecting information, generating information. And since the Obama administration, it's been a priority of the government to organize that information and make it publicly accessible through platforms like data.gov. So I would say a public-private partnership is afoot, that the public sector has started the ball rolling, but that now many other organizations have begun thinking about secondary use of the data asset that maybe it may have been sitting in their uh, IT systems doing very little for many, many years. And so now the private sector has, in many cases, built on the progress and now has contributed more because a lot of health information, employer-sponsored information, and so forth flows outside of uh, the government walls. Can you give us an example of a successful public-private partnership? Health Data Palooza was my favorite uh, public-private partnership, and in large part because of the spirit of the pioneer of Health Data Palooza, my, my dear friend Todd Park, who served as chief technology officer at HHS when I was in the Obama administration. Todd had three insights. Insight number one, Silicon Valley had not broken bread with the healthcare pioneers whom we all adore. And step one of Data Palooza was what would happen if you brought together a dozen of the smartest health policy minds and a dozen of the smartest technology minds. And what came out of that collaboration was an obvious aha moment that problems the researchers struggled to answer were easily met by the technologists' capacity and tools. And conversely, problems to solve really shifted from perhaps the less useful towards the more important because of the input from the experts. So step one was bringing the parties together to break bread and and compare notes. Uh, Step two was to organize the public's data infrastructure such that it was easier for many, many organizations out in the community to access and use it. So uh, that kind of construct of organizing the information for use was never really a job. There was no chief data publication officer, so to speak, in government. And so Todd kind of built that into Health Data Palooza. And then last but certainly not least, as Todd used to share with me quite frequently, we can't assume the smartest developers in the country come to Washington and sit in the Hubert Humphrey building for meetings. We have to go to them. And so Todd created sort of a national campaign in any community where there were three or four developers gathering for a meetup. Todd wanted to fly out, visit with them and inspire them to come use the public's data uh, to build something magical. And so all of that culminated in a day-long data palooza basically a festival of insights where story after story after story would unfold talking about the power of data. My fondest memory was when I sat next to Secretary Sebelius and Todd on the very first opening hour of Data Palooza, and I saw the secretary's jaw drop when a team from Palantir showed that with access to nothing but the publicly available data, they were able to identify where in America we had the largest gap 
in health outcomes, who was working on that problem in that community, how the federal government was funding or related to that team, and what specifically could be done to turbocharge their work. They were able to pinpoint all of this. And the secretary said to me, when I was in state government, of course she was governor, uh, that would have taken my team six to eight months to answer. And here they were doing it in an eight minute presentation on account of the data being made public with no government dollars spent, basically an open ecosystem. Anish, it is clear that collaboration across the public and private sectors is critical to improving health outcomes with health data. I want to pivot the conversation. There are a lot of amazing innovations in health data, but there are also some risks. What are some of those deficiencies and challenges we face with health data utilization? The single biggest concern, in my view, are the privacy and security implications for our healthcare industry. My health information is very sensitive. Unlike some of the other data sets, like you know my shopping patterns and other things, unregulated, and if Amazon you know, has a breach and my last 10 weeks of Amazon orders are public, I would be frustrated, I would be annoyed, but it wouldn't be a life or death uh, concern. If my medical records were revealed, it could put my life in jeopardy. So as we aggregate data, I refer to this as opening up while locking down. We need to be doubly vigilant to make sure that information about me is truly de-identified if it's to be made available more broadly for learning. And it also needs to be protected in the sense that my doctor who may not be contributing my data to someone else has access to all of that information. So on the one hand, it's sharing the data and inadvertently revealing who I am. The second problem is I don't mean to share, but someone hacked it and now is holding me hostage in some ways digitally for to protect the information. So I, my point in bringing it up is we have risks. Thankfully, we have protocols and guardrails that can constrain some of that risk. From a privacy and security perspective, are there any things that give you a little bit more comfort that are being done today as well as being conceived of in the future? I am very focused on regulatory guardrails and industry consensus standards. So in the Obama administration, we tried to put forward a digital privacy bill of rights that would across the board strengthen our privacy in the internet era. While that has not moved forward, we do see continued focus on extending digital protections uh, in the healthcare domain, clarifying what's in HIPAA, even those that are not in HIPAA, where they can be uh, subject to contractual privacy protections. So I'm grateful that we have rules of the road that are keeping a lot of that information in some format that is subject to further scrutiny to make sure, more so than say my Amazon sales, that are getting the time and attention they need to be protected. That doesn't mean that they're foolproof from hacking. It just means that they are already being subject to higher standards uh, of protection than the general uh, digital economy. I also believe the industry realizes, even if the government hasn't regulated in this area, we need to come together. So I'm spending a lot of my time in the private sector organizing voluntary efforts to establish rules of the road for privacy and security in this digital health era. 
And whether that be working in the health evolution community around uh, uh, standards for uh, how to release data to build algorithms and artificial intelligence, or it be the Karen Alliance that I work on with Governor Levitt to focus on uh, ways in which we can protect consumers as they put more and more of their health information into apps that they trust. Privacy and security is a valid concern when it comes to health data, but it is not the only risk. So we know that we've, we've created decision-making models based on race and ethnicity that were not accurate. And those have become a part of our systems. And part of that, that results is that we have those biases and baked into our data. And if you utilize that data to create interventions and to create workflows and, and decision-making and risk analyses, then you're baking those biases that we have within our system, those historical biases into our solutions. And so if you start, if you think about it and you start upstream, like the potential impact downstream for someone who's using that who's using that algorithm and re- does not take that into consideration, you're perpetuating bias and potentially worsening gaps. And so for us, I think what we really have to do, and I think we're seeing this in healthcare, we're uprooting those biases that have intentionally or unintentionally been baked into our process, to our care, the way we care for people, our decision-making, the way that we adjust numbers in measurements just solely based on race, which we know is not a biological construct. It's a social construct. So I think for us now is a great opportunity for us to uproot some of those things and really change the way that we do and the way that we practice medicine. Biases that may exist in our health data sets run the risk of exacerbating inequities in vulnerable communities. I decided to follow up with Dr. Horn about this challenge. Dr. Horn, how is the utilization of health data impacting care for patients, families, and communities? When we think about how data is used and how that impacts families and communities, I think we often think about the potential negative impacts. We think about the bias and how that how that plays into our decision-making and our clinical workflows and our care workflows. We know the studies that have come out around data and algorithms that resulted in disparities in um, decision-making for populations. Those studies are very clear. And so I think we think about it and oftentimes we think about it in what it doesn't do. I think we also have the opportunity to look at data and say, how are we identifying gaps that we need to address when we're being intentional about it? And how are we then beginning to say, how can we create solutions to address those gaps and be more precise about it and have a bit more precision to say, it's not just this broad number, it's this community or this population that needs additional support. And how do we create those solutions? It doesn't mean that we only focus on the data because it is really important that we have to give that data context in order to be able to build solutions. And I think that's the important piece. We want to make sure that we're addressing the bias, biases that we see and making sure that we're creating fairness as part of that process. And at the same time, we want to say, how can we utilize this information 
to actually address and close the disparities that we see. And what role does health equity play? Health is health equity. Our role, we can't have quality health in healthcare unless we have health equity. And I think the role that health equity plays is to say, how do we center marginalized populations? And oftentimes people have this perspective of, well, that's really hard to do. And the thing is, it is really going to help you build a better solution, a better intervention by centering those who need the work, that, who need it the most. And so for me, health equity is making sure that everyone has, has the ability to get their best health outcome. And that means that we're taking information, we're, we're utilizing data to identify those needs and to develop solutions to address them and tracking that we're making improvements. So it's not enough to identify a problem. We've got to address it. We've got to create an intervention. And we've got to track to make sure that we're making a difference. And if we're not, we need to figure out what we're not doing. What are some of the most interesting, exciting, transformative innovations being explored in health data? What's interesting and exciting to me are two things. One is the realization that we are not so U.S. centric, that we are a global community and that there's so much for us to learn from other regions, from low and middle income countries that we can begin to apply to address health disparities here in the U.S. and in places like the U.K. So for me, that opening up of our possibilities that we're not in our silos, that technology and innovation allow us to see more than our singular community and be able to connect those dots and use that data. So that for me is one area that's really exciting. The second area is the ability to, and some of the things that we talk about is having open source data so others can learn from data and innovate and make new innovations those things for me, that democratization of health and health innovation, um, especially for us as people of color, communities of color, typically marginalized populations, to reduce the barriers of our access, to me, that is what excites me. Because we ask different questions, because we have different lived experiences. And so to see people asking and working towards answering questions that we've taken as that's just the way it is. And for us to say, that's not the way that I see it. How can I change this narrative? And how can I take data to create new evidence to solve new problems or solve problems that have always been there, but we have not had the privilege or the resources to have access to. So for me, those are the things that excite me. It's like the methods, the processes, the operationalization of it. Yes, all of that comes into play, but it's the ability to democratize access to solutioning that I get really excited about. Who would you say is doing the most to drive these innovations? Healthcare providers, insurers, academia, entrepreneurs? I think innovation is happening everywhere. And that's the good part. I think everyone is focused on innovation to meet their specific needs, which is fair. Payers have to focus on their needs. Health systems have to focus on their needs. 
technology companies and not just their needs, but also their capabilities, what they can do. And entrepreneurs are like, they're building to innovate, to create something new, which to me is really all important. What I love about it is, especially from a health equity lens, it's all part of the ecosystem. None of us can do this alone. Each group has a role to play in creating and addressing health equity and solving these problems. And so I think innovation is happening in all of these spaces. The, the key is that we recognize that they all play a role together and that we don't ignore another part of the ecosystem because that's not our thing. How will patients, providers, insurers be impacted by these innovations? I think what is really important for us is to understand how this, and it's inherent on us as the people building innovation, that we are communicating in a way that people understand the innovation that's happening so that we're asking questions, so that there's digital literacy, there's health literacy, so that we understand how algorithms and how technology impact on our care and not just accept whatever comes to us. And so I think that is an important piece of our responsibility on all sides. I think for payers and health systems, I think it is inherent, it is all of our responsibility to make sure that we're not perpetuating bias and that we're being intentional about looking at our algorithms, looking at our processes, looking at our workflows, looking at our um, machine models, all of those things in order to, to assess, are we creating bias and are we worsening disparities? How can we utilize these tools to close gaps that have been historically placed in systems as opposed to just saying, we're just going to maintain the status quo? How will these innovations change the way healthcare is provided in the future? Obviously, there's a lot of talk about personalization, moving care into the home. What are your thoughts? There is more information, and information is a determinant of health. And I think it is our responsibility to not just say, well, here is the information. We have to provide information in a way that people understand and people can utilize in a format that they can receive and from trusted sources that they can receive from. And I think that for me is our role and responsibility in data and information and innovation. From your perspective as an expert in the field, where do you see the intersections between health data, digital health, and health equity? And how is your ecosystem making those connections? In the work that we do, at Google, we work across platforms such as search, YouTube, and cloud. So we're thinking about how are we making information accessible for people and how are we making it accessible in a way that is authoritative and evidence-based and how are we bringing it to them in a way that they can understand and receive from trusted sources? And sometimes it's about the message and the messenger um, for people to receive it. Um, for us, as it relates to 
health equity and data, we want to make sure that for our platforms, when people utilize our resources, that we're doing that in an equitable equitable way and that we're building with an equity lens as part of the work that we do. And for people who are thinking about data and analytics, we're wanting to support them and help them utilize an equity lens and addressing and closing gaps and addressing disparities. And so for me, like health, digital health is health to me at this, at this point, health data is information that helps us analyze and make better decisions and and create better solutions and innovations. And for us to be able to do that, people have to have access and people have to have information and they have to have it in a way that they can understand and receive. Health data, digital health, and health equity. These are the three pillars and they are the foundation of 21st century health. Every story and discussion we will hear on this podcast will come back to these pillars because they are inextricably linked. You cannot have one without the other. Both Anish and Dr. Horn stress how important it is to work together across industries and ecosystems if we are to meet the needs of all communities. It is a team effort and everyone has a role. In the coming episodes, we're going to find out what specific industries can do to advance healthcare transformation. Thank you for listening to this episode of 21st Century Health. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts.